Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl 42 champion mm-hmm. putter Jeff Fiegels. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Paul. How are and, you, my man? Uh, we're doing okay. A Good. little cloudy and overcast here in North Beautiful Jersey day. this afternoon. Yeah. But, hey, it's not raining yet. So maybe that's a good sign for the uh, the day and weekend to come. It's supposed to be in the 90s over the course of the next several days. Ah, suck it up. Real training camp weather, but training (laughs) camp uh, has yet to begin, as we all know. And, of course, uh, we will get to some of the NFL news headlines momentarily. But uh, first up, folks, of course, if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, you can give us a call at 973-667-1960, or you can go to Twitter. It's hashtag Giants Chat. I am at Giants WFAN. He is at Jay Fiegels. And as always, you can hit us up at the Giants mailbag, Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions for some of your other more detailed comments and questions. Now, mm. uh, Mr. Fiegels, we mm. were supposed to preview uh, our NFC East opponent named the Washington No Names today. <laughs> but because the Washington No Names are in the middle of a nickname search, also subject, uh, at least reportedly subject to some type of story coming out of D.C. today that uh, may garner a lot of headlines. Uh, This became a rather moot point. So we will talk about the Washington no-names at some point, probably on one of next week's shows, and try to preview uh, an opponent that the Giants will see Mm -hmm. twice during the regular season. However, I would just say this for those of you who did tune in and wanted to hear about the Washington no names today. Uh, they, they do have uh, Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, and we do believe that uh, that he is still going to uh, to be the guy. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with the front office down there these days, but. Uh, that is a franchise that has invested a whole lot in him, and they will need a lot of growth out of him in his mm-hmm. second season if they are going to make any waves at all in the standings. Well, we got plenty of time to talk about them, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, they're 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 probably. I think people are probably picking the Giants and the Redskins to be the bottom of the cellar as far as the NFC East. But you know, you got two young quarterback quarterbacks with Daniel Jones and Haskins, and. Um, you know, let's just see what happens. You know, this could be a huge distraction for that team. Whatever's coming out, uh, the the name change, and those th- those things are always are always there to deal with, Paul. When you even have the other distractions with the COVID stuff, so a lot of distractive stuff going on there down in DC that we'll have to see. But you know, listen, they they're a, they're a team that's that's trying to build and uh, and compete in this division, which is going to be is going to be a tough division this year. A lot of guys competing for that. And it's going to be, you know, obviously everybody thinks that the Eagles, and we talked about the Eagles the other day, John and I did. Um, I think a lot of people will have them in Dallas up there at the top two guys and the Giants in Washington at the bottom two. Yeah, for sure. I, you know? I can understand why. Yeah, uh, sure. Now, let me, let me ask you this, Jeff. <clears throat> now, we talk about this all the time, and Lord knows there have been a number of distracting issues over the course of the last decade uh, that have, you know, brought the mm-hmm. Giants into the headlines as well. And as we go through the locker room and we talk to those guys, most of them don't care much about the headlines. Mm -hmm. Most of them really just go about their business. And the only distraction Mm -hmm. that comes from those things uh, are the reporters who continue Mm -hmm. to pester away and bother them with those questions. But but in your estimation, and I know you played before Twitter really exploded, Mm -hmm. but how much of whatever it is, whether it's the name change or something else that could potentially uh, be explosive with the headlines evolving the Redskins, how much of that really matters at all? Is it more an issue with the coaching staff, more an issue with the players? Do they even give two horses butts about this? Well, I, I think they, they give two horses butts about it in a sense because it, it affects the dynamics of the team, the distractions that I talk about. They're always there, and I think that the reporters – and the media and social media bring such an attention to whatever subject matter it is, is that you can't be in today's world without paying attention to it somehow, right? So it does go back on the coaches and the players to try to eliminate the distractions, which everybody's always tried to do within the locker room. But it's brought back into the forefront when the players are available to the media and they don't and they pick up their phones. You know, those kinds of stuff. So, yeah. you know, maybe this year with COVID and not being able to be close to the players, some of these distractions 
may be able to be tabled a little bit because they're just not going to have access to be able to talk about it. So, but as a, as a leader of a team, you know, a, a captain, a coach, you have to do everything you can to eliminate the distractions. And really, you've heard this before. Let's just keep it in the building. Let's worry about what we have to do. And we'll let all those other guys talk about all the other stuff that affects it. Sometimes what affects the team that could be a distraction are things like, you know, um, you know, where are we going to be able to practice at this place? Are we moving over to here? Or what are we doing there? Those are the type of distractions that could more affect the players and coaches rather than just things that are out there in the newspapers. Yes, logistical things. Logistical, that's the word I was looking are. for. Thank you. Yep. Exactly. Now, I don't know if rookie <clears throat> Andrew Thomas uh, gets distracted by things that he reads about or hears uh, uh, from in the media, but according to CBS Sports, and there's a story on the Giants Now link on Giants.com today as we speak, mm-hmm. that uh, CBS Sports uh, is saying that uh, Andrew Thomas, according to Chris Trapasso, he is the author of the article, and he's the one giving the opinion, that he can be one of the most likely rookies to make an immediate impact this season, regardless of how modified the camp is or the shortened schedule or whatever happens. He thinks that despite the virtual realities of how these rookies have had to prepare, that Thomas could have a very big impact on the Giants. Your thoughts? Why not? You know, he's going to be a starter. <laughs> I mean, people are going to be like, well, you never know. He's going to be competing for a job. Come on. I mean, seriously? Um, <laughs> he's going to be playing, folks. Uh, so, And by the way, he had an outstanding career uh, technique-wise and fundamentally. He worked on some things his senior year. Um, if you read this article, it'll tell you a little bit about that because you know what? They threw the ball a little bit more their senior year, which means that they put a little bit more credence in his protection. So... Now it's just a matter, in my opinion, is it going to be on the left or is it going to be on the right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have a first-round draft pick as drafted as high as he was, you're expected to come in and and totally come in and do something. So, yes, he can have an impact because this offensive line needs an impactual player like him. So, yes, I agree with the article. Now, remember something, Jeff. It's very hard for a lot of people, especially lay people, to measure the impact of an offensive lineman. Well, now, Thomas was picked fourth overall, and in the top six picks of this draft, there were three quarterbacks. We know about Herbert, we know about Tua, and obviously we know Joe Burrow was number one with the, with mm-hmm. the Bengals. Of the three quarterbacks, I'm going to assume that Tua's got the least chance of playing right away. I think the other two will probably immediately mm-hmm. get into the starting lineup. Yeah. So their impacts are easy to measure. And obviously quarterbacks can just throw it, yeah, throw, it throw it, throw it. Yeah. Right. And they they can build up a bunch of numbers and a bunch of highlights on SportsCenter. It's very hard for an offensive lineman to try to prove his worth against that type of, of vision or those types of highlights that those other guys are going to be able to put out there. I'll tell you how I would measure him. Okay, and we talk about quarterback hurries and sacks and things like that. Um, what I would do is I would say, okay, let's take this offense with Saquon Barkley. And we talked about this the other day, John and I did, about what type of an offense, you know, the offensive line, are they going to run a zone um, blocking scheme or man blocking scheme? What are they going to do? How I would measure Andrew Thomas is that if he's the guy that we think he is, what will be the tendencies of the New York Giants to run to the right where he is or to the left where he is, that'll tell me how much that they are going to rely on the impact of this guy. Because, you know, listen, running is not just always up the middle. We know that, okay? You've got the RPOs that are a lot of times taken outside if the quarterback keeps the ball. So those are things that I would look at. And also the number one thing is are you giving up sacks? Are you giving up hurries? Um, This guy is so big. He's got a long expansion. His reach is there. And he's so athletic that you have to you have to think that he's going to be fine. But I think really it's just a matter of where he's going to play, Paul, on the left or the right side, and then we'll determine how he's doing from there. You know, one of the other keys for me, and it's one of the obvious things <clears throat> that we all see when we watch a game from the stands or even on television, mm-hmm. is how many penalties the offensive lineman draws. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because they always say that well, you only notice the offensive lineman when he gets flagged. Yeah, so, and I, you know, I'm hoping that despite everything else that Andrew Thomas does, I hope that because of of the lack of physical practice time, that he doesn't get sloppy with his technique and he winds up getting flagged for a bunch of penalties. That mm-hmm. would disappoint me. 
Well, I'll tell you what, if you think about if you're an offensive lineman right now and you're just sitting at home um, and you're working out on your own, you know, most of the things that they're doing right now are all technique and fundamentally oriented. They're, they're not running plays. You know, they're not executing plays. And muscle so, memory is important, Jeff. You know well, that. Well, it, it certainly is. And I think that, you know, depending on where he's at or who he's um, dealing with and what type of workouts he's doing, that's definitely going to be missing. But when you're the number four pick in the NFL draft, you've you got to think that the, you're going to be able to get through that. You really do. And so there will be some growing pains. You know that. But I think that, you know, listen, if we were to compare a Daniel Jones to an Andre, um, Andre okay, um, and we say to him, okay, Andrew, excuse me, where, where are we going to compare these guys? Well, you're going to probably have a lot more to talk about in, in Daniel Jones because of all because he's a quarterback, right? He's throwing interceptions. What is he doing running the football? How, what's his decision-making? All the stuff that goes into the evaluation. So it's easier for us to evaluate a Daniel Jones than it is, like you said before. It's hard sure. to evaluate these guys. I, I think what could be unfair, though, Jeff, if Daniel Jones does not have a step-up season in year two, if he doesn't progress as much as we think that he will, then whatever Thomas does is going to get lost because people will equate – the quarterback's success to the rookie tackle's success. Whether or not that's fair, and I don't think that it is. I don't either. I think they are related to some degree, but I don't think they at all are equivalent. I think that that is going to be something that could warp people's opinion of maybe just how good Thomas is or isn't when mm-hmm. he steps onto the field this year. Well, one thing that this article had mentioned it, you know, he, he might just be a boring guy, boring tackle. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean if, if there's one position that you want someone to just be so, so boring, then yes. you know, fine, I'll take that. Right. I mean, Correct. that means he's not he's not jumping off sides. He's not getting holding penalties. He's not giving up sacks. He's good in the run game. And you just don't know he's there and you don't, until he's all pro every year. And that's my type of boring player. And you know what? Those boring players. They usually come from those types of positions, you know. Another boring player is like a, you know, a field goal kicker that did goes 39, 38 for 39. Boring, right? But he makes points for you. He wins mm-hmm. games for you. Those are the type of players I will take all day. I'll take boring all day. All day. Because that just tells me they're doing their job. And they win. And they win. <laughs> and they win. Exactly. And my God, do we need to win? Does this team yes. need to win? I mean, nine, really. nine, seven, three, six, six, seven, 1960 is our phone number. I've got some more points, especially on the offensive line to go over with Jeff, but we have a phone call and All we right. go to our, we go to our one open line. It's David in Florida. You are first on BBKL and we hope you are well. Yeah. Th- thanks so much. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks so much for taking Appreciate my call. It. Thanks Dave. Yeah. I-, I wanted to ask you about the tight end position because, um, I think Ingram is, is like a top-five caliber tight end if he stays healthy. And um, I do think he's the most talented receiving option on the team. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you think in an effort to try to keep him healthy, the team will uh, limit his playing time? Because I think Caden Smith and Levine Tololo are, are very good blockers, mm-hmm. and maybe they could use those guys in like two tight end sets. And then Ingram, in an effort to keep him healthy, Maybe they won't play him on, like, every snap. Or do you think it's better to just, since he's the most, I think, talented pass-catching option on the team, that they'll, um, you know, just play him as much as possible and hope for the best injury-wise? So I know that's, like, a long-winded question. but No, no, and it, quite frankly, I, I think it can be an intriguing question. So I'll sure. let Jeff start out, and, well, and I'll, I'll add to that as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, it's a really good question because, you know, the, only, the question comes up because of his health. You know, if we weren't talking about his health, this wouldn't be a question because the guy's on, he's, he was drafted in 2017, not 2007. He's, you know, he's a young guy. So in my opinion, if you're healthy, I'm playing you um, until you tell me that you can't play anymore. Now, listen, as far as maybe reps in practice and maybe a health day or a rest day or, you know, preventative stuff, then maybe that a little bit of a point you kind of may back off a little bit during the week. But, boy, I'll tell you what, during come game day, I want him in as much as I can get him in there if he's healthy because I feel like he's such a dangerous uh, component to this new offense that we're going to see. Paul? I I have a thought, Jeff. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about anything else except maybe goal line situations. I don't even know if I would do this in third or fourth and short in the middle of the field. But I get down near the goal line. 
I would think about having um, Ingram line up, stand up in the slot, okay? Maybe you opposite- just did now. You just you just opened up the whole thing that they're going to move him to a wide receiver. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. We've had that conversation a thousand times, and neither one of us are going to do that. But here's what I'm suggesting. Stand him up in the slot down on the goal line, or maybe even make him an H-back if you like. And, and, okay, go one back with Barkley and go double tight ends to the other side. Now, if you do that, you've got yourself one heck of a problem as a defensive coordinator on how are you going to deal with that goal line defense because now you really, really have a multiple of things that the Giants could throw at you out of that formation. Mm -hmm. A multiple of things, and I'm talking about run or pass. Yeah. And so, so I guess what I'm saying to the caller is, I'm not necessarily looking to cut down on Ingram's snaps, but I do think there are some situations where I wouldn't mind seeing Caden Smith and Toilolo getting onto the field and even using some three tight end sets. Well, I won't disagree with that. I mean, you wanted to use as many weapons as you can in the red zone to score. You know, you want touchdowns. We don't want field goals down there. And when you have one of your playmakers like Evan Ingram being able to, and I think it would all go into matchups, you know, like, if you're going into a game where you feel like Evan Ingram in the red zone can get in on a mismatch by being in the slot, then put him in there. Or put his hand in the dirt and get him on a linebacker uh, that he can win that matchup with. You know, So lots of different things that you could do with him. I agree with you. I agree. But we, we totally, totally want to dispel any conversation that anybody wants to have about making him a wide receiver and throwing him out onto the boundary. <laughs> Jeff, let's make that very clear because I did not want to open up I that know, can I was of worms. just kidding you because we've had this we've had callers, I know, come, I callers know. up and ask us. But see that somebody, and... somebody's gonna hear you say that and think that's what we're talking about. <laughs> you started about. it. You said but line I'm not him up talking about that. <laughs> no, I'm going in a totally different direction. I know that you are. I was just I was just kind of taking a jab at you. Relax. I know. It's okay. I'm we're used not to it by going now. Going to talk about him being a wide receiver even though he he can play like one he's a tight end there you go okay we have another Giants offensive line story that has appeared in recent days Mark Sessler of NFL.com picked one player from each team that he believes could earn their first Pro Bowl selection this season and for the Giants he went with right guard Kevin Zeitler mm-hmm. and he points to the fact that according to the PFF analytics folks and again I'm not necessarily endorsing anything that comes out of there, but uh, they are ranking him as the seventh highest graded guard in the NFL, and uh, he's never gone to a Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something, folks. The Pro Bowl for offensive linemen is very difficult because it's just a popularity contest. There's guys that have been hurt for six, seven games in a season and make the Pro Bowl. So that just goes to tell you how clueless a lot of people are about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Zeitler is one of those guys where – Hey, the guy's healthy. Kevin he's, Zeitler. Excuse me, Kevin. He plays He plays a lot of football for you, okay? And, you know, he grades out high enough. But you know what? you got to look at the guys that are ahead of him in that NFC and understand how many multiple Pro Bowls those guards have had, and you got to break into that. That's the hard part. Does he deserve a Pro Bowl? Probably he does. But it's so difficult to make these days because it's such a popularity contest. And you know that, Paul. You know that for sure. It happens every single year. And really, what, is, what does Kevin Zeidler have to do to get to that Pro Bowl? He's going to have to have a heck of a football season and be dominant. And maybe he does. I think maybe he, this is the point where he could do that. But it's difficult. It really is for well, those guys. Let's look at just some of the competition he's got. He's got Zach Martin in Dallas. Okay. Okay. He's got Brandon <laughs> Scherf uh, with the Washington no-names. Um, you know. Yeah. Those are two guys right off the bat that you, they're certainly going to get heavy okay. consideration. Well, how about, okay, how about right? this one? Guess what's going to happen this year? Jason Peters is moving to guard for the Eagles. Oh, yeah. So Didn't there's even another think about one you're going to have to think about. You're right. <laughs> so, you're absolutely right. So my, you're getting my point. So it's not that he, does, you know, he, he may not be good enough to be an, a pro bowler. I think he certainly is, but you got to get in line. That's the so, so there, there are three guys who you know right off the bat are going to get very, very, very strong consideration, mm-hmm. and that yeah. says nothing of anybody else in the league who is a good player 
but maybe not on the yeah. tip of your tongue are going to get automatic votes. That's right. And I, I tell you what happens is like, I mean, how many more Pro Bowls does Jason Peters need to go to? So, and I know that a lot of times these guys just don't want to play in them anymore. So maybe that's a chance for him to move up a slot and get in there. Um, okay. There's also health problems. You know, a guy has surgery at the end of the season and is not going to be able to make the Pro Bowl. So there's another chance that he could go. Mm -hmm. So it's all about timing. But certainly the main, I guess, the, the idea of him going to the Pro Bowl means that he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And we certainly would love to see that, you know. I mean, even if Andrew Thomas ends up on the right-hand side and you've got a potential, according to this article, Mark Sessler says that, hey, listen, this guy can make the Pro Bowl. I think this is the one guy that's going to do it. Hey, you got yourself a good offensive line to that right side. You well, know? imagine if Barkley starts running wild behind that side of the line. Both of those guys, mm -hmm. Thomas and Zeitler, will suddenly get a lot of accolades. There's no question, and that's just in that, and it all—it's the trickle-down effect, right? I mean, if those guys are blocking well and they're doing good, and and Saquon is running wild, then people are going to start to notice. They really all right, will. back to the phones at nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty, and somehow he got in again. Charlie from Portland, Maine, is next on the show. Hello, Charlie. Hey guys. Hey, Hi, Charlie. Charlie. How you all doing? Good. Hey. Um, I just wanted to say about the offensive line, I think it would be better for Thomas to be on the right side. And the reason why, just like you guys are saying, you get Zeitler, who is a proven, you know, player. He's not a, you know, one or two year season guy. I'd rather have him next to a guy like him than on the other side next to Hernandez, who has only been in the league two years. And I think you got Soldier and Hernandez who have been playing you know, next to each other, even though not that well, um, that would be better for them, and I think it would be better for Thomas to be with a guy like that. So, what I'm about this, Charlie? What about the, right the future? Side. What about the future going forward? Do the you think future that... is the future. Today's well, the present. You okay. Got to start the present, and uh, you can always switch them to left tackle if Soldier leaves. Soldier leaves, then you put him over there, but. Mm. To me, that would be the best place for him. He'll have a Pro Bowl guard or close to one beside him. Charlie, I think the whole say. BBK staff agrees with you. Jeff was on the other side oh saying God. that Thomas should start at the left side. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, you flopped on this, haven't you? I did I did flop, but I told everybody that. I made it, And I'll make yeah. you a bet, Charlie. I will make you a bet All that right. he's starting on the <laughs> left-hand side. <laughs> oh, no way. Not going to. They're not going to put a guy like. What do you mean, no way? What are you, the coach? A... You don't. I mean, what do you mean, no <laughs> way? Jeff, Jeff, he's the GM. Ever. He thinks he's yeah. the GM. Yeah, of course. We opened up with the offensive line. You knew that Charlie was going to call today for offensive line gossip. <laughs> All right. And one other thing I got. Yes, Charlie. You know, when you guys talk about Ingram and you always talk about if he stays healthy, that's like. Me saying I would be a great writer, top five writer, if I knew how to spell. Because that's basically... You well, we definitely know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd be a great sportcaster, you know, if I could pronounce names. You know, it's just like, oh, Ingram would be great if he could stay healthy. It's the same thing. He can't. You know, it's just like, why we... I mean, to me, until this guy actually stays on the field... I wouldn't even put him in the conversation because we don't know what we're going to get from this guy. And if it's track record, we're going to get nothing from him, basically. Well, Charlie, right? let me put it to you this way, okay? Now, last year, certainly, you know, he was injured and only played in six games. But even the year before, let's go back to 2018. Even that season, when he only made eight starts and appeared in 11 games, he caught 45 balls. There's nothing wrong with 45 receptions for nearly 14 yards a catch. You're going to tell me honestly, and I appreciate the fact that he'll never reach his potential unless he plays a full season, but you're not going to tell me that, that you're willing to throw away even a limited season out of him that could result in 45 catches at 14 yards a catch. You, I mean, seriously, yeah. you, you just want to toss them to the, to the curb? Well, well, what I'm saying is, is like, did we win? When he was even playing, well, we didn't what, win with that anyway. kind, with the, but with that kind of production, even in an injury plague season, would that kind of production be helpful to defeating another team? I would think so. Yes, right. I don't know. I mean, so so you'd have somebody else in there that maybe would catch thirty-five balls and 
somebody else would take up the other Let's put five. it this way. We, we all believe that Caden Smith is legit and an all-around tight end who can do a lot of things. He's not quite the receiving threat that Evan Ingram is. Let's not kid ourselves. He's going to be more of a short-to-medium-range kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Ingram certainly is more of a medium-range to longer-range kind of guy. He creates much more matchup issues than Caden Smith will ever do, and that's no disrespect to Caden Smith at all. And as far as the rest of the tight ends on the Giants roster, none of those guys has even a, a shade of talent of an Evan Ingram. So trust me. You want Evan Ingram to give you as much as he can, even if it's not 16 games. He can help this team. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope so, but the reason you signed him was to play 16 games or at least 14 or 15. And the thing is, is don't forget, don't sleep on Ryzen. Don't sleep on the 678 guy from uh, Canada. Because this guy is going to be productive. You watch. That's my prediction. He's my my dark horse. Okay, guys. Have a great day, Charlie. We appreciate it. You too. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Our phone line is now open that Charlie has gone back to his cave and will cook up some more cockamamie ideas, Jeff. (laughs) I'm just picturing him coming out of the cave and getting on the phone and then going back in. Where he belongs. I think I think the only time he comes out to see daylight is to dial us up on the show. Well, as soon as he heard us talking about offensive line, he rushed to that phone and and however he got gets in every day, I don't know, crawls through the phone line and goes into the uh whatever that thing is called that John is working. What's that thing called, John? The uh the mixer. The, the mixer. Yeah. The tricaster or whatever that stupid Jeff, thing is called. Jeff, Jeff, the truth of the matter is, and the point that I'm trying to make, and I appreciate the frustration over Ingram's injuries. Trust me. I mean, the guy hasn't played 16 games yet and yeah, he's going into his fourth NFL season. But but in truth, the Giants are better with him on the field than off. Even if it only turns out to be 14 games or 12 or whatever he can give them, they're better off if he plays, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, and I, I was talk, thinking about this the other day because we are in kind of unprecedented times with the NFL and, and especially from the player's standpoint of not being able to be on the field and be around the facility and doing the stuff that they normally would do in the offseason to get them prepared for training camp, which is right around the corner. So I ask you, Paul, this is and I, I don't have the answer to it, but I would love to have your 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 take on it. Do you have a feeling that because like a guy like like Evan Ingram, because that he was, you know, he was rehabbing in the offseason mm-hmm. um, and he has not been able to get out in the field and do things that maybe just maybe that this could be a blessing for him that, you know, he's been he's got more time to to, you know, get better and heal better rather than coming out there in OTAs and, and mini camps and things like that. So could this make him stronger going into the season that he's had this much time off or the flip side of it? for not only just Evan or some of the other guys, is this going to hurt them? You know, are guys going to get hurt more often because they haven't had the type of training? That's why, in my opinion, you know, we were talking about this, John and I, on Monday, is that I feel, or Tuesday, that the, you know, pushing the season back will help the players because they've got a condition. They've got to get ready to go. They've got to get their bodies ready to play football. And... Asking them to come in with an abbreviated training camp and then boom right into September, I think that's going to cause problems. You think the tackling's bad the first month of the season with a training camp? What do you think it's going to be like oh, if sure. we do it this year? Sure. You know, so those are just some. I'd love to hear your comment on that. Well, in reference to your specific question about Ingram's foot, I I truly do not have enough medical knowledge to understand exactly what the nature of his injury is in terms of what is the likelihood that it occurs again. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is it that they can do to strengthen it? Because you and I both know, Jeff, there are some injuries that you can actually strengthen to the point where they're more sturdy than they were before you got hurt. There are other injuries that once you hurt them, they'll never return to 100% again. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know the the category that his foot injury falls into. So to be frank with you, I think it's flip a coin right now. I don't know if it will help his foot or hurt mm. his foot, yeah. but I agree with your premise that the the less conditioning and practice time that the players have going into whatever regular season we have, the worse off the injury list is going to be. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, and it is pretty interesting. Um, 
I, I won't get into that. Never mind. I, I nine. All right. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Our phone line is burning up. Len from Columbia, Maryland. You are next on the show. Hello. Hey guys. Hey, how you doing? Good. Great. How are you? Good. Good. Everything's going good. Waiting right. for the season. <laughs> two, two weeks to training camp. Man, mm, starting, starting to get excited. We'll been see a, about that. A, we'll see about that. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's been a you know long year, and I uh, can't wait for these guys to kind of get together and um, start practicing, and maybe we'll see some games on schedule, hopefully. And um, I wanted to talk about the quality, you know, quality of the roster. Um, uh, my, my feeling is this is as good a roster right now as we've had in quite a while. Um, I look at that front seven on defense, and I'm thinking back a number of years before I see people of that quality, numbers, including a little bit of depth, I'll feel I'll feel better when uh, Golden's time is up and he's actually officially on the roster. I know we got about another week to wait for that, but I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about this. Um, on the offensive side, um, you know, you, you look at you, you know you look at that offensive line, and we're you know we're talking about you know at least eight people who can play at the pro level, and uh, you know maybe one more. A little concerned about wide receiver, mostly the depth, mostly the depth, um, and whether or not Ingram's going to get through the injury myth. But what, what, I mean, what do you guys say? I mean, I see no reason. If if Andrew takes a um, – not Andrew, I'm sorry. Uh, if Jones takes a step forward, um, that this team can't go 9-7. and seven. I mean, give me a reason why that's not so. Well – I, I feel like I feel like you know going into the season, Daniel Jones is going to have to protect the football. Okay, so that automatically should equate to maybe one or two, a couple more wins, right? I mean, um, yeah. just being being you know not giving the other team you know field position by turning the football over. Um, but I also believe that the the improvement of the offensive line is gonna is gonna help your running game. Which, by the way, your best player is the guy that's in the backfield. Oh and yeah. So and those should equate to some wins. Um, I think that if this team can be, and I know they're going to be, Len. I just know they are because I spent a little bit of time as much as we could before all this happened, getting to know some of these guys and just understanding the philosophy of Joe Judge. Yeah. This team is going to be disciplined. They're not going to, they're not going to beat themselves. Yeah. And that is so important in football that you don't beat yourself. Penalties cost you games. That's what Coach Coughlin always used to tell you. So if you can be disciplined and yeah. this team's going to be there, it's yeah. not going to cost you football games. You look yeah. at the last few years, how many times oh my God. Um, yeah. the, that they had it in the bag. Yeah. They had these games in the bag. And talk oh, about God. nine wins. I mean, oh. in the last few years, this, could, this team could have had nine wins, eight wins. But they just, they just shoot themselves in the foot. And so, yeah, yeah I, kinda, yeah, I, I can kind of agree with you. You I know, on, on Barkley. And I think, I think the team has closed the gap between the, good, the teams good in the term. higher level of the NFC, you know, the Dallas's mm-hmm. and the Philadelphia's. They have closed the gap somewhat. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And the Giants are incrementally better at a number of positions. But it would be foolish not to understand that they've got a bunch of question marks and a bunch of unknowns that will have to come up on the positive side if they are going to have any chance at really being a playoff team. I mean, and that's not to say that those answers can't be positive, but at this moment, they are still far too unknown. Okay, Paul, I'm not challenging you on this, but give me one. Well, I have no idea who the kicker is going to be right now. Oh, okay, okay. All right. That's, that's a big enough. deal, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Especially yeah. with a team that's trying to get better and more competitive, you need to make sure you cash in on every scoring opportunity you have. Yeah. And what I have no idea who the kicker is right now. Or corner. Who's going to be your other starting cornerback well, right now? If you want to go to the regular lineup, yeah, you 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 don't know who your 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 starting corner is opposite Bradbury. You don't know exactly right now what the linebacking core is going to wind up looking like because we know there's going to be competition, but we don't know who's going to get the key reps in the key spots. I mean, we well, still don't yeah, know anything the players, about the pass the rush. Players are, the players, players are better at that linebacking spot. They're better. I mean, They're better. It, it, they're better. I think. I think there's reason to think that they've improved themselves there. But yes. is it enough? Yes. Is yes. it enough? Okay. I don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah. 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 I you got know? It. By the way, with you know, with uh, 
you know, with nothing better to do on some of these long days, um, you know, watching uh, films of games and w- watching Barkley. And, you know, when you, <laughs> when you see highlight clips of Barkley, oh, my goodness. He is special. Oh, and he's healthy. Goodness. I mean, he was not healthy last year. And he was still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, he's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, when you put the two year totals together, uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And but you know some of those some of those runs I mean just exploding away from people. I, I oh, mean, and, just... and by the way, Len, I don't, I don't want to make you feel bad, but before we even go any further, you have to go to the slot corner too, and you have to figure out yeah. who that slot corner is going to be. Understanding okay. that the slot receiver in today's NFL has become an integral part of teams' offenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, and. Um, I keep thinking, you know, regardless of what happens with uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, I got my fingers crossed on Ballantyne. I, I, I think it could be that Ballantyne is going to be a – I know he's a sixth-round pick. It's only the second year. But I, I think Ballantyne uh, has got to be one of those players who maybe steps up, Paul. But I'm still feeling pretty good. You know, I'm still feeling a lot better about this roster than I have the last three or four years. Well, you should. You yeah. should. Yeah, we've had yeah. a lot of good. Hey, we've hey, had a lot Jeff. of early draft picks. You should. Yeah. Hey Jeff, <laughs> let me ask you a quick question. Did Did you play with Acres, the kicker uh, in Philly? Were you on, Did you play with Acres? No, 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 no. Nope. Okay. Nope. I think okay. he was just born when I was in. With... <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, you're kidding me? That, I'm, I'm talking early 2000s. You're not. Acres' first year in Philly was 1999. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he was there in the 2000s, wasn't he? Uh, when, when When were you in Philly? Well, I was there in I was there in 1990 to. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I'm sorry, I really got you. I, I, the, the, the frame of reference, the frame of reference is off, and we can quit talking. I was going to tell you a story about Acres and a and a kid that he was helping out with place kicking, and I thought maybe you were friends with. Land, with David Land, Pope. you keep <clears throat> forgetting. Okay, Fiegel's held for Lou Groza. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was some kicker, Paul. Well, so was oh David Akers. He was pretty good, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not as good as Lou Groza, but. All right. Listen, let's go, Giants. Thanks, um, again, I'm, I see no reason. Um, I, I, tell you, I see no reason why 9-7 and seven couldn't be are where we, we are. Are we putting you on the board this. at 9-7? and seven? Is that your prediction? Oh, I'm go- we- listen, huh? listen. After all we've been through, it's just time for 9-7, and seven, Jeff Fiegels. <laughs> Listen, I, I, okay, I, I write it okay. down, man. Write yeah. it down. Let's go with it. I'm, <laughs> going, I'm, I'm, go I'm with going 97, but okay. most importantly, most yeah. importantly, I hope we have a season. Oh, God. Well, yeah, I mean, regardless, yeah. 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 We're I not getting 9-7 and seven unless there's a season. I Okay, we're putting you on the board. Johnny, put that one on the board, right? I mean, Thank got, you, Len. Even though we don't have a board, because uh, we're not in the building. <laughs> I have no board. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the call, Len. Thank you so much. 973 667 uh, hey. 1960. He I'll mentioned sign up for nine and seven, wouldn't you? Sure, especially <laughs> with a third wild card in the conference. I, uh, you know that could bode very well. He I mentioned think it'd be great. he mentioned Marcus Golden. Just to update the folks, there's been no news on Marcus Golden's status, and he does have until July 22nd to find a free agent deal elsewhere, or his rights revert back to the Giants. Or, uh, but but I remember John. We talked about this the other day. The rule is it, it's it's the first day of whoever starts camp first. That's that date. So with that date, the twenty second, it could be pushed back to the twenty eighth or whatever. So that it's just it's fluid. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I, I just want to jump in here. This is something I found out a couple of days ago. I okay. guess I should have texted Let, you. The, I didn't hear it. No, it's okay. The and and Jeff and I talked about this on I guess what was it Tuesday, Tuesday. show, Jeff. Yeah. So the rule technically is that the date golden his rights revert to the Giants if he doesn't sign elsewhere is either July 22nd or the first day any NFL team begins their training camp, whichever comes later. So, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, Well, listen, it's not going to be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, let's let's put it this way. The 22nd is coming up pretty soon. That yeah. much we know. The other date we don't know, but the 22nd we know. That one is coming up soon, and that doesn't get moved. The calendar is in concrete. It's the NFL calendar that's not necessarily uh, in stone. Another item here, Jeff. Uh, again, 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Um, also an, uh, an article suggesting about uh, Leonard Williams. 
the the article was was saying that there are a bunch of these players who were on tags this year mm-hmm. and are signing their one year deals. Of course, led by the deal with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, most of the players on the tag, as you know, did wind up taking the tag deal, and very few of them wound up signing multi-year long-term agreements. Yeah. Leonard Williams was one such guy who took the one-year tag. The article that I was looking at was saying that it's in all likelihood most of these guys on the one-year tag, they'll probably have pretty good seasons and wind up back with their current teams. So my question to you about Leonard Williams is, based on what you saw the second half of last season, when I think he was productive, and I think the Giants were relatively happy with him, and that's why they decided to tag him this year, what do you think the future is for Leonard Williams after this season? Do you expect that as the Giants and he go into a wait-and-see year that he will be longer for this team? Or is, is it more likely that he winds up walking at the end of the year? Well, it's a good question, and in normal circumstances, which we're not in. No. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is going to be determined about the salary cap, about what's happening with the league and, you know, what's going to happen next year. So, you know, the answer to that is in a, in a perfect world, if the defense is as good as it's going to be and, that you know, they come out and they, they you know, Patrick Graham has the thing cranking up and, and, and Williams is such an integral part of that defense, then it's imperative that you have to sign him back. Now, um, I, I, I just think that you're, it's, it's a gamble because of what's going to happen with the salary cap. But in a perfect world, if the, he comes out and does what he's supposed to do, I see no reason why him not being back. He's young. He still can play. Um, he's a leader. And I think that's what this team needs. So, yes, I guess my answer is if the defense can play well and do good things and the salary cap is, is can afford it, then I sign them up. Come back and give them a good deal. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's, uh, that's very likely. I know that the Giants wanted to re-sign him, but I really think that because of the uncertainty regarding the salary cap, mm-hmm. that made the negotiations very sticky for a lot of players around the league, and that's why they did not get long-term deals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, 16.1 million, a million bucks a game, you know, hopefully you always hope that you can stay healthy um, because that will be the determining factor for next year too. If you come out of the season and you get hurt, that's, that's the the bad thing about it. Um, But I think that, I think that he has a lot to prove. And I think that he knows that it's a one year deal, prove it all. And you can go out there and do it. We didn't see to me, I liked what he did last year, but I didn't see enough in my mind that really over impressed me with, um, you know, I want to see more. And maybe that's kind of, I don't know, maybe Dave and I have the same thought pattern here. But I'll I'll take, I think he's a really good player. But to me last year, I, 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 did he do enough in the time that he was here? He did okay. You know, I think he did okay. Um, But I would have liked to see a little bit more production maybe in the sacks like everybody else would. Sure. Um, but I feel like, listen, I, I know that being an ex-player, when you are going to enter your contract year, you've got a little bit of an incentive there because, you know, if you look around the league what these guys are getting paid, you know that on the horizon you could make a lot of money. So I'm going to go out and ball out. I'm going to do what I can. And if, you, if he likes it around here and he wants to stay and a team is willing to pay him, then, and it sounds to me like maybe that conversation has been, you know, they've had that, Paul, and said, listen, you know what, we're, we're going to pay you. Just, let's just relax here. And, but I think the guy's going to have a good season, and he needs to. He really does. Well, I do think that the Giants are very, very hopeful that he reaches his full potential this year so that they, in fact, can come to terms on there what would be an appropriate yep. deal. That's yep. the best-case <clears throat> scenario for everybody, isn't it? Yep. Yep, and I like, I like that rotation if you will, of that defensive line that the Giants have right now. And, by the way, that is a young group. That is a is. very, very, very young group. Which is you another reason it. why you'd want to keep them together. That's right. You know, you know, Austin Johnson is your oldest player on that, that defensive line, you know, and he's – and what is he? I don't even think he's in his 30s yet. I you know, so he's, he's like 27. Like 
I was 27, say, 20, yeah, somewhere. So when you think about that, I mean, uh, if you're Dave Gettleman, I'm trying to do everything I can to keep all of these guys. Now, B.J. Hill, he needs to step it up a little bit. I don't know what Chris Slayton has, but, you know, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a guy that was drafted in the seventh round last year, you know, but we didn't get to see a lot of him. So, you know, what can these guys do? Dexter Lawrence, and the, and the constant in this is, is Dalvin Tomlinson. That's a guy you want to, you know, he's looking for a payday too soon. So yeah. it's a good good group. Really Austin good group. Johnson, by the way, I just looked it up, is only 26, Jeff. You know, and he's guy the coming oldest. Out, guy coming out of Penn State who is a real plugger on the interior of the line. Mm-hmm. And, and if he can reach the potential that he showed when he was with the Nittany Lions, and, of course, that's going to be up to, uh, to Coach Chaos to bring yeah. it out of him, yep. Uh, yep. that would be a really big boon for this line. Yep. And, All right, and, back to and the my lines. other guy I forgot to mention is McIntosh, R.J. McIntosh, my guy from mm-hmm. Miami. I mean, he's a different a kind guy. of player, though. He's a th- more of a three technique guy. He definitely is. So, yep. But the big hogs, those guys up front, um, a lot of promise for them. A lot of promise. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty is our phone number. We're getting a lot of phone calls in today. Uh, this is a caller-based show, and Scott from New Mexico is next on the line. Hello. Hello, Scotty. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? How are you? Pretty good. Uh, Paul, you know that Vince Lombardi was my favorite coach, despite Bill Belichick being the guy. But, Mine uh, too. Uh, he once said that the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you know if uh, players have a propensity for injuries, and I'll just name two because it's been in the discussion with Evan Ingram and say a Sterling Shepard, and they and the giant coaching staff can't foresee it. They'll be on the field the whole time. Can they come up with contingency plans to change their offense completely prior to the injury actually happening so that they have a secondary uh, you know, you know, modus operandi to actually move the offense and not worry necessarily if those players get injured, or are they too critical players that – you know, you can't really change your offense around if they're not mm-hmm. on the field. Because I was always wondering if you know players or can't finish the season and it's proved that these players cannot, why not come up with contingency plans in advance of an injury so mm-hmm. that you can actually have a, you know, like a good flow of your offense? And I was wondering if the giant coaching staff does that or do they, or, th- or is that something that's not even discussed? I think it's easier to replace Shepard because his best spot is the slot. It also happens to be Golden Tate's best spot. So if Shepard were to get injured or have to come out of the lineup for any reason at all, I think you could simply move Tate into the slot, have one of the other receivers, you know, play another spot outside, and you could probably just tell Golden Tate to take Sterling Shepard's playbook, and he could handle it fine. I mean, how many times has he taken slot snaps in the course of his NFL career? I'd say probably thousands of times. Sure. So that's not an issue for me. It's a little bit tougher when you deal with Evan Ingram because as much as I think Caden Smith is a quality NFL tight end who can do everything, he doesn't have the dynamic athleticism that Ingram has to create a mismatch downfield. So while he could maybe take two-thirds of Ingram's playbook, I don't think he could do it all. And quite honestly, you know, that's why those kinds of tight ends, the Ingram types, are such a premium in the NFL today because not everybody has one of those. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, Scotty, real quickly, when you look at the tight end position, it's really just one position, you know. Um, you're either off the line of scrimmage or you're on the line of scrimmage or in the backfield maybe for right. a baseball. When you look at all these other receivers, they know every position. They, they practice them. They, they learn them in the meeting rooms. So the contingency plan is you are expected to play X, Y, Z, whatever it is, you're going to need to go out there and do it. And so they run different positions in practice, and they learn them, and there's testing on it, and they, they, that's, that's their contingency plan. That's so, how they so work in, through So it. in essence, they are prepared for yes. the worst-case scenario. 100%. And you know what? And, and what, why they do it is the, it's a great question, and, and when they do this is in training camp, they're getting evaluated by playing these other positions. Listen, right. Darius Slayton may not be a great slot receiver, so they're going to say, okay, if so-and-so got hurt, if Golden Tate got hurt, or we're not going to move, excuse me, if Sterling Shepard or whoever's playing the slot position, we're not moving Darius Slayton into the slot because we've seen him what he can do in practice. It's not that good. You know, right. maybe we've taken and put, a, you know, a Cody Core or one of the other backup guys in there, whoever it is, 
and that's or you know Corey Coleman or whoever. But that's how they work, and okay. they have to. They have to. And by the way, that's what the linemen do. The offensive linemen play all the different positions in practice too. They have right. to know it. I mean, I think what you'd wind up seeing if Shepard went down, take goes to the slot, Slayton and maybe Corey Coleman become the guys on the outside. I think that's probably the best bet as you stand here today. Okay. My my last question, I'll take it off the air. Um, There's no doubt that uh, Saquon Barkley is an all-world type back, but the one thing or the one negative is his pass blocking. I was wondering if, if either of you know, uh, is the coaching staff going to really concentrate on that element? Because obviously it's important for the running back to be able to pass block, and he hasn't proved it in, in the two years he's really been a giant. I know he's been injured, but still, he doesn't impress me as a great pass blocker, which is surprising based on his size and his strength. So I was wondering if they're going to be working on that skill level with him to try to improve that. Because I'm I think sure they key. are, Scott, but let's not, key, let's not forget. Last year, uh, he battled injury. And, right. and and so physically he got manhandled on some of these pass rushes because I don't think he was nearly 100%. And then I also believe he had some recognition problems last season because as a rookie, he actually had a better year as a pass blocker than he did as a sophomore. Okay. So I see the regression as an aberration. I don't see it as an indictment on his ability to do it. Okay. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And, you know, Paul, um, yes, they're going to they're gonna, – that's what the offseason is all about, is evaluation and looking at um, what these guys have to improve on. And then they meet with the players and say, listen, Paul, you know, I like the way you run the football, but I don't like the way you block. So we are going to work on that. The problem you also have is that in practice, they don't do that. They don't, they don't pass block in practice. No. <laughs> you know, you've got a defensive end there, a linebacker that's coming in on a blitz in a passing in a situation. Yeah, they're not going to hit the quarterback. You know that. And by the way, they're not going to hit number 26 either coming full speed because they just don't do that in practice anymore. So, But he the, does need to recognize it, though, Jeff. That, no, that I understand much is true. It. I understand it, and I think that, um, that they will work on that. And, and, and listen, he was compromised last year. You know, he just was not healthy enough to be able to sit in there, and he did the best he could. That's all they asked of him. So. Yeah. All right, back to the phone lines at 973-667-1960. The callers are coming fast and furious. Dave <laughs> from Cranford is next up on the show. Hello. Hello, Dave. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Paul. Um, hey, just kind of continuing some of your conversations. I, I, I think one of the things about Ingram that I just want to throw out there, it wasn't my main point, but um, he's a much – it's a matter of, and I really do think that the coaching this year is going to be different for him. And um, he's actually a much more competent blocker than I think he gets credit for. I think the question becomes at to, as to what level you're asking him to block. When he's being used on a D-end or a D-tackle where he's given up a lot of weight and leverage, that's just not his strength. Um, but if you see him block on linebackers or corners or safeties – and I think, Jeff, when we were talking the other day about the running scheme, I really think if they use the outside zone running scheme, I think you're going to see Ingram play a really important role at the second level blocking, um, particularly when you think about a Caden Smith or a Tololo in particular, maybe more on the edge in a, in a, in a 12 you know, kind of setup. So mm-hmm. I think it gets lost because, you know, we look at him in the running scheme last year and you see him trying to, you know, uh, take on some of the bigger folks, and that's just not that's just not what he's built for. Good point. Yep. Very fair. Very I mean, fair. Um, so that's just there, Paul. I wanted to go back to your overall view, you know, of the team, which I think is really fair, Jeff. You too. But I, I just wanted to bring this up um, because I do think it's important. Um, every year, you know, particularly when we're going through the rebuild that we are, you go into the year with questions along the roster, and I think Paul, you you brought up a bunch of them. Um, um, but keeping the kicker off for a second, because that's, that's a big one. But, but when you think about some of the other positions and the players that, that need to perform well in order for the team to take another step up and close the gap, as you discussed, I think the difference for this year is um, the types of players that we have questions about as opposed to years in the past. So mm-hmm. to, to give you an example... You know, um, a Nick Gates. I, I really think that that Nick is going to play an important role on the line at some level. Could end up being as far as the starting center, which I think he'd have a really good shot at. Um, or he becomes an important swing tackle. Um, so either role to me, I think are are are, are both important. Um, 
and you know w- w- which that's going to be. But but I think you're looking at someone. Um, I think of someone like Xavier McKinney, right? Obviously a rookie uh, coming in, and he's going to play an important role in that defense. But um, but you know you look at, at at some of the folks we've had in those shoes in the past. And I can promise you the question with them in the past was much greater than it is with McKinney. It may take him some time. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's going to be, you know, impactful day one. But this is an Alabama safety who comes in with a great work ethic and pedigree. Even someone like Nate Solder, he's got to have a better year going into this year. There's no question about it. And I think there are reasons to expect that he'll do that. So I agree with you that there are questions, you know, go to pass rush, you can go to different places. But I do think that you're talking about a roster where where there are players in those questions that are much further along than we've had in a long time. Um, and we, you know, it's a numbers game. We need most of them to have positive reactions. So I'd just Dave, love to my, get your thoughts on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. my reaction to your thought, Dave, is actually very frank, and that is as you get to be a better team and as you become more competitive and you have more battles on your roster – you will be giving away fewer roster spots by default because that's the sign of a weak team. When you have five, six, seven, eight, nine guys on the back of your roster who are simply on the roster because you have nobody else, those, those are roster spots by default. And I really believe that the Giants have moved past that point to where they're improving as a team to where you have competition, not only for some starting spots, but for a bunch of backup spots too. And I think they will be giving away fewer roster spots by default than they have in many years. Mm -hmm. That's what gives me the belief that they will be a better team. How much better? That's the million-dollar question. Yeah. Listen, our comment, you know, this has been a bad team for years now, right? What happens with bad teams? They get good draft picks. This team is built on draft picks over the last three years. So there's your roster. There's your answer to your question that you just said, Paul, is that you know, behind the, the ones and the twos, two deeps, you go down and look at this roster, it's, it's pretty good. It's, and now they just got to start playing. So I think that that's, that's a big part of this component about this team is having the competition and having better players throughout your roster because you've drafted well. That's, that's a big part of it. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. We're running out of time, but Duke from mm-hmm. Queens is next on the show. Hello. Nice. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I sir. Thank you. But I'll leave one of the questions for another day. Um, but the more pressing question that I had was: We tried. Supposedly, we tried to get uh, Anthony Harris to safety out of uh, Minnesota in free agency. That didn't work out, and then we went and we got Xavier McKinney. Uh, based on the situation that he was there in the second round to be had. My question for you guys is that makes me think that they saw a huge red flag at the safety position if it was that much of a priority. And since we had so many holes, so I just wanted to know, like, what was the huge red flag specifically that they saw? And that's all I have for you guys. Thank you for taking my call. Okay, appreciate the phone call. Well, Jeff, if you want to take it first, but I do have a thought on this. No, go ahead. Go go. ahead. Well, I mean, Jabril Peppers is coming off of a back injury that did not allow him to finish the final month of last season. Mm -hmm. So, number one, I don't know what his injury status is. I've yet to hear any of the reporters ask the Giants people exactly where Jabril Peppers stands. And quite honestly, maybe they don't really know because, again, these guys haven't been here. So that's number one. So Peppers has to have a little bit of a question mark on him, a little bit, I think. Uh, And Julian Love is still only a second-year player. And and he's also also moved positions. They moved him from corner to safety. So, So, you know, it's not like, you know, the Giants are sitting there saying, well, you know, we've got a young secondary, but our two safeties are lock and stock and cement, guaranteed, terrific, not have to worry about them. No, I, I I don't think that's the issue at all. I think they believe that Jabril Peppers is good and will get better, and he's healthy, and they think that Love has potential. But then you see a guy like Xavier McKinney, who is a supposed first-round draft pick, staring you in the face, sticking out on your board when you pick fourth in the second round, and you believe that this guy is really a stud? Well, let me ask you something, Jeff. I don't know. Maybe you'll disagree with me. 
McKinney's a potential impact player on defense if he fulfills his college potential. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there were any other impact guys on the board at that point who could have that type of uh, dramatic Im- effect on a defense. Yeah, he was a steal. I mean, he was a first-round draft pick. And because of what happened in the draft this year, the Giants got lucky and get him. Um, you know, it, it was just <laughs> – he landed in his lap. Remember? We were just like well, – the next day when we did yeah. our draft coverage, sure. we were all like, McKinney is on the board. And we were all talking about that safety position at that point. And so, yeah. The other thing, too, you got to remember about this, too. If they could get a guy like Xavier McKinney – They I could know go that three they were, safeties. They could do that, too. There you go. Right. And I, and I will tell you this. Anthony Harris is going to cost you a lot of money sooner or later. Right. I mean, so are you willing to pay Leonard Williams and pay Anthony Harris in that defense along with, you know, some other guys? I mean, listen, Blake Martinez is going to make 13 million dollars, according to what I read the other day. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of money so that you're going to pay some of these guys drafting Xavier McKinney from a value standpoint and from a salary standpoint. Done deal. Excellent move. Great great draft pick. And give Patrick Graham the flexibility that he can run yep. some three-headed defense, uh, three-headed safeties in his defense because, again, he's going to want to use a lot of chameleon looks. Yeah. So what's what's wrong with having three front-line safeties on the field at once? Nothing's wrong with that because you could put Peppers and McKinney in the box, okay, and Julian Love and one of these mm-hmm. other guys can play the, the position in the field, right? So you can move those guys around a little bit, and I think that's attractive. Excellent stuff. Mr. Fiegels, thanks for taking the time today. Boy, these times go by quickly. Thank you for the calls. They're all good. Very yeah, a good. A lot of Thank calls you. today. It was yep. a lot of fun. Yep. Sounds Once again, good, folks, thanks. jot down the number. We're here every weekday from noon to 1 Eastern time, 973-667-1960. Hit us up at uh, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. And also the Giants mailbag is Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Dottino. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.